Imagine standing at the crossroads of history. Behind you stands a time-tested message, one that has weathered empires, revolutions, and cultural shifts. And ahead of you is an ever-changing world where new beliefs rise as quickly as they fade. Now consider being asked to share this time-tested message knowing that you will encounter an array of reactions just by sharing this message. You will have some reactions of admiration, some will be of skepticism, and some may be downright opposition. Well, such was the reality for the early church that we're going to look at this morning in the book of Acts chapter 5, and verses 17 through verse number 42. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, I was figuring out how to break down all of these verses. But this is really just one section, and there's no way to break it down. So we're going to look at all of these verses this morning. So as the apostles and as the early church stood on the streets of Jerusalem, they were met with a spectrum of responses from those who trusted Jesus as their Savior, to those who probably said, I don't want to hear that message, and some were in your face opposed to the message that they gave. And very similar to some of the reactions that we might receive today from sharing the truth of God's holy word. So how do we navigate the diverse reactions that we're going to receive when we share the truth of God's word, when we share the gospel in a world that is, that is lost, that is broken, and how do we respond when we are face-to-face uh, -face with all of these different reactions? Well, let's look together this morning at the book of Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse number 17. We won't read this entire section together first, but we will get to it a verse at a time. Verse number 17 then
responses to the gospel, but first we see the response of the council, the Sanhedrin. So how did they react? How did the religious leaders react to the gospel? Well, first of all, they attacked the truth. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want the name of Jesus being spread priest's jealousy and ultimately the apostles arrest then the high priest he rises up and they were filled with indignation the high priest his associates and all the members of the sadducean party rise up and they were jealous just a little background of these religious leaders the sanhedrin was a a council was a group of religious leaders in the first century, first century Roman Palestine. And they were the ones that uh, heard the, all the different cases of law as it related to the Jewish law. And the Romans allowed them to hold their court, to hold their council, and to take care of anything that related to the Jewish law. Now, there's some debate as to the makeup of the Sanhedrin. Uh, some say, well, there were Sadducees and there were Pharisees. And in this case, most likely the two were there in the same group. Sadducees was one of the, 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 the Sanhedrin was kind of like a two-party system. Well, it was a three-party system, but the main two were the Sadducees, Pharisees. Sadducees was a group of religious leaders who took the Old Testament Scripture seriously, and they didn't put much credence in oral tradition. So they pretty much just stuck with what the Old Testament Scriptures said. And they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe that one day that the bodies of those who were God's people would be resurrected. The other group were the Pharisees. The Pharisees, unlike the Sadducees, took the Old Testament scripture and added a whole plethora, a whole bunch of oral traditions. And so they added oral tradition to the Old Testament scripture, but they also they believed in, a res, in the resurrection. So those were the two primary parties that were involved in this group that we see Peter and John coming before. And they were not upset primarily by a theological disagreement. What we see here, they were primarily upset because they were threatened by the apostles' influence and by their popularity. They didn't want to lose the influence and the popularity that they already had. So this led them to arrest the apostles, put them in the public jail, and they threatened them. And, so, and they were filled with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now think about when, maybe when you've been challenged, when you've shared something, uh, the truth about God's Word, that maybe was in direct opposition to, uh, to maybe a social policy or something that, that m many people believed in, and very often, you might have had a, a very negative reaction, especially when it threatened the, the establishment or the status quo. Uh, now, there are many instances today when 
we have these reactions uh, when we share the truth of God's word. Uh, whistleblowers are silenced. Genuine reformers, uh, genuine reformers may be marginalized. See, they don't, people don't want to hear biblical truth. They say, well, you know what? This is what we think. This is what we believe. And if it's good for us, it's what we're going to do. No matter what goes on anywhere else or no matter what anyone else says. We are living in a society today that does not want to believe that there is a standard by which the entire human population should live by. It's whatever feels good. It's whatever is the, uh, the, the common policy of the day. But the Apostle Peter and John were saying, this is what God's Word says. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, there are, many believe, there are many that believe, well, you know, someone, someone might be able to get to heaven without Jesus. That is untrue. That is false. There is no one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but through or but by me. Uh, so just as the apostles were facing opposition, so did the disciples and the apostles and the first century church. And so what happens next? We see verse 19, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. So just like in Peter's deliverance. If you've read 1 Peter, or excuse me, if you've read Acts chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, and Peter was in jail, and in the middle of the night, an angel comes in and lets him out. And the, of course, it's a funny story. He comes to the door and the girl named Rhoda comes to the door and, and she says, ah, it's Peter. And she shuts the door on him and she goes in and they say, no, it can't be. You know, it's his spirit. It's, it, it can't be him. And he keeps on knocking the door. Let me in. Let me in. And so the, 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 the angel intervenes here and you're tempted to smile when you have these religious leaders. They put Peter and John in jail, and then they expect that we're going to go and we're going to get them out, and we're going to read them the riot act, and then we're going to, to force them not to talk about Jesus anymore. Can you imagine the surprised look on the guards? Now, these were trained guards, probably one on either side of the door, and they are standing sentry. They are standing guard all night long. The next morning, the representative from the Sanhedrin comes in, and, and he's saying, we need these guys. And they unlock the door, and they look in. Can you imagine their surprise when they realize, how did they get out of here? We didn't unlock the door. Uh, we didn't go to sleep. <laughs> And when they discover that one of their that their most important prisoners were not there, and just imagine, <clears throat> if you will, the astonishment on the Pharise of the of the Pharisees. Here they were; they were trying to stop the miracles, but instead, what they did, what they were doing, only multiplied the miracles. And so here they are trying to stop people from hearing about Jesus. They were trying to stop people from getting so excited about 
this little thing that was going on, and everybody was starting to follow this group called the Way. They were followers of the Way. And so they try to stop them. They put the leaders in jail. And what they find was, we made it possible for another miracle to take place. They were thwarted at every single turn. So let's look at the next few verses. Verse 20, uh, the next verse, verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered the temple in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel, sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, didn't find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison doors shut securely, and the guards standing outside the door. But when they opened the door, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered. Think about that. Their mind was racing. What do we do now? What's going to happen? We've been trying to stop this. And it's getting worse. It's getting, it's getting piled on one on top of the other. And they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and they are teaching the people. So let's look at the next few verses. Then the captain went with the officers, brought them without violence, they were fearing a riot. They were fearing the people would, would rebel. Because, think about this. Remember the last few verses we've been looking at in the book of Acts? Because of the unity of the early church. Because of what God was accomplishing. Because they loved one another. Because they were taking care of one another. And because of all of the things the, the local church was doing in the first century they gained popularity with the people around them. The people thinking, there's something to this, this, this group. There's something going on. And especially when Ananias and Sapphira, do you remember the, the couple that lied about what they sold and said that they had brought it all and laid it at the apostles' feet, but they lied and one died. The wife came in uh, later and she lied too, and she drops dead. And so no one wanted to be anywhere near them because they were afraid that God, God's judgment would have fallen upon them as well. And so we go on. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? So... What did they accuse, of what did they accuse the apostles? Think about it. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Now this wasn't merely an accusation. It was a testament. Because what was the church doing? The church was filling all Jerusalem with the gospel. The church was out and about in the marketplace, uh, in the homes, in the neighborhoods, at work, they were talking about Jesus. They were sharing the gospel with those around. And so even the, the religious rulers were saying, you guys are filling Jerusalem with this Jesus. And that's all we're hearing about lately. Everybody's talking about Jesus. And you're filling Jerusalem with this message. So despite the council's attempts to stifle 
the message, it had spread throughout Jerusalem. And so this was saying that the church, the job of the church was being done. What Jesus had left them with, be my witnesses, wait here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. We see that at the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes and indwells. And you will be my witnesses where you are in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately all the way to the ends of the earth. So what we see here in verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So what was the response of the apostles? They wanted the world to know that it was God that they would be following. So the challenge, what we see here, is the apostles, the early church, were sharing the gospel. You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. God's word is always going to face opposition. There is always going to be someone who won't want to hear what you have to say. You might try to share the gospel with someone at work, and they might shut the door on you. You might have your workplace that says you can't bring religion into the workplace. They don't mind you bringing anything else into the workplace sometimes, but they don't want you to talk about Jesus. Now, you can talk about spirituality all you want. Talk about God, maybe, but be careful. Don't talk about Jesus. So the, resp- the next response to the gospel was, The apostles said, we need to obey God rather than man. Verse 31, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us to obey him. What was the first response? The religious leaders attacked the gospel. Secondly, the apostles affirmed the truth of the gospel. They said, you told us not to do this, but be informed. You who murdered this Jesus, God raised him from the dead, and we cannot not share about this Jesus. Verse 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, who are we going to obey? You or God? We ought to obey God rather than man. So they answered directly to the council. Now this wasn't a simple act of defiance. It was a declaration of their allegiance. They say, we belong to God. And we saw the resurrected Jesus. So it was not just saying, we just don't want to do what you want us to do. They were saying, we cannot help but talk about Jesus. Uh, Think about a time when maybe you've been put in a situation and uh, maybe uh, God's word was at odds with a popular opinion, a directive, or maybe even with the prevailing culture. Maybe at work you faced uh, ethical dilemmas that maybe tested uh, your principles, or maybe you were in social gatherings and someone was talking about something that was contrary to the truth of God's word. Uh, And maybe you felt like, maybe I shouldn't speak up. But there are times when we should speak up and say, you know, this is not my opinion, but this is what the Bible says. This is what God's Word says. 
And this is one of the reasons to memorize the Word of God. This is one of the reasons why uh, it's important for children and adults to memorize God's Word. And so we don't just give an opinion. We say, in Romans, in Acts, in Ephesians, it says this. And we quote the Word of God, and we can just leave it there. And it's not our opinion. And God's going to do His work. Remember He said His Word will not come back to Him without accomplishing its purpose? God's Word, God's going to use His Holy Spirit to accomplish His will through His Word. It's not by might of men. It's not by anything we can do or say. It's not by winning the argument. It's just simply proclaiming what God's Word says. So we may be challenged, but we need to stand firm in our faith. Uh, then the apostles revealed the resurrected Christ, the God of our fathers. He says he raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sin. See, this wasn't just a doctrinal point. It was their source of strength. The resurrection is our source of strength. We serve a risen Savior. Amen? We serve a God who is alive. We serve a God who's not in a grave somewhere. And there's not a tombstone that says, this, here lies Mohammed, or here lies Buddha, or here lies whoever. We serve a God who is alive. Jesus rose from the dead. The apostles, those who went to the empty tomb, and those who saw and witnessed the resurrected Jesus when he appeared to them and appeared to a whole bunch of others be, be, between his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, they said, we know he's alive and we cannot help but talking about this Jesus. Now remember, when we face opposition, what did Jesus say to his followers when he said, you'll be my witnesses? Go and make disciples. He says, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Don't worry about it. God is with you. He is alive. He will tell you what to say. In verse 32, and we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So when you share Christ, when you share the gospel, when you share the truth of God's word, some will attack you. But don't give up. Be like the apostles and say, we need to speak what God's word says. Now, what is the next potential response that you might get? We'll look at Gamaliel, another one of these religious leaders who stands up and he puts his two cents in. Gamaliel just wants to avoid the truth. <laughs> He just wants to walk the fence or sit on the fence. You know, I'm not going to attack the gospel. I'm not going to say that it's, it's right. I'm not going to say don't. I'm not going to say do. Let's just kind of wait and see. Look at verse 33 to verse 39. When they heard this, they were furious. The religious leaders were angry and they wanted to kill Peter and John. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. They said, come on guys, let's go into, let's go into committee. Let's put them outside a little while and then 
Let's talk among ourselves. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus or Theodos arose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered, and it came to nothing. He said, we've seen this before. We've seen people crop up, and they led some kind of sect, and they became popular for a while. They, get, they gained a little bit of a following. Somebody killed him, and it just petered out, and it went to nothing. Then he says, verse 37, and after this, let me give you another instance. This man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this work is of men, like these other two men, it will come to nothing. But if it's of God, you can't overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So he, he was the voice of caution in the midst of frenzy. So he, he, he stands up and he says, now wait a minute, let's not be hasty here. Let's not kill these guys because if God's in it, we're guilty. But it may be like these other two men and it would just leave it alone and let it die its own death. Just, just, kind, of, just kind of wait and see. So the, the council was furious, wanted to kill Peter and John, but someone steps in with a little bit more of a measured response. So he cites some historical precedents, and he reminds them of some past movements that, that fizzled out, they didn't amount to anything, and they fell on their own. So he advised... He advised caution rather than rash action. What about today's context? Think about it today. Gamaliel's stance can be likened to many today who, who don't necessarily stand against the faith, but they don't fully embrace it either. You know, they're, uh, they're the neutral voices. Uh, they might see value in religion and spirituality, they might say, you know what, we, we can see that, that, that spirituality is good. I mean, prayer, I mean, pray, that's, that's fine. Go ahead and pray. We're good. We're good. But they will be okay with religion and spirituality, but they won't fully embrace it, especially not the gospel. They weigh the pros, they weigh the cons, and they're waiting for more evidence or they're waiting for a sign. There are going to be some Gamaliels in your life. Now, how do we engage those who are just neutral? You know, they agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's good. But they won't commit. Well, what do we do? Give them time. Let God's Holy Spirit do the work. See, our job is not to convince them. Our job is not to buttonhole them and and force them into trusting Christ as their Savior. Have patience. Let God's Holy Spirit do the work, but don't give up on them. We hear so many testimonies of people praying for someone for years, 20, 30, 
40, 50 years, and finally they trust Christ as their Savior. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. Do you realize the Holy Spirit's a whole lot more powerful than you are? Do you realize the Holy Spirit is active today, and He's at work in men's hearts and men's minds, and He's doing the work that God intends for Him to do? God's Holy Spirit is working. So now we hear a call for patience. You know, if it's God's will, you can't overthrow it. He says, take heed what you intend to do to them, because this was this group, this is what happened to that group. And he said, all this, this other group, it just, they, they dispersed. And this is what's going to happen if this is just like that. But be careful. We may not be able to keep this uh, from, from happening. So Gamaliel's advice was pretty straightforward. His wisdom was, re- was rooted in a belief that time would reveal the truth of the matter. Now, Gamaliel's approach may sound reasonable. Think about it. Just give it time, and let's see what happens. I mean, after all, he's advocating what? <clears throat> patience. And we have all heard patience is a virtue, right? But th- there's a danger in perpetually sitting on the fence There's a danger in perpetual skepticism. Faith requires a step. Faith requires an active step, not endlessly waiting. And you and I are not guaranteed tomorrow. So there are many who are sitting on the fence and just waiting to see. We may not have the time. And so be careful. So true, we should be thoughtful. We should be discerning. But endless wavering can lead to missed opportunities. Uh, Sometimes people wait to see the outcome. I'm just going to wait to see what happens before I get involved. What does God say? Get involved. (laughs) Just jump in with both feet. Don't be a Gamaliel. Don't say, well, I'm going to wait to see what happens before I, before I, I get too involved, before I get too invested in this thing. You know what? You either in or out you got to decide. And so you're either in or you are out. Now, Gamaliel's approach, Gamaliel's approach might save us from making some mistakes, but it may also keep us from the profound joys and the growth that comes from bold faith. Just step out and trust God. So as we navigate our spiritual journeys, let's be seekers who actively pursue truth, move forward on mission rather than being passive observers and just waiting to see what happens and hopefully, maybe hopefully, waiting for a proven conclusion one day. Just get involved. So how did the early church respond? We saw active opposition from the religious leaders. We saw the disciples who said, we are going to obey God, not men. We saw Gamaliel who said, just Wait and see. I'll sit on the fence for a little while longer and wait to see what happens. Well, the church just said, let's go. Let's. We see embracing suffering as a badge 
of honor. Verse 41 and 42. So they departed from the presence of the council. How did they respond? How did Peter and John respond? They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. They said, we're like Jesus. Jesus suffered. Jesus died because of his message. And we have been counted worthy to suffer just like our Lord and our Savior. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Anointed One, as the Messiah, as the Christ. What do we see? So they agreed. They beat the apostles and they send them out. They were flogged. They were ordered not to speak about Jesus anymore in the face of brutal opposition and in the face of physical pain and societal shame. They kept going and they kept speaking the word of God. You know, in our society today, sometimes standing up for truth can lead to opposition, can lead to isolation, or can lead to us being marginalized. You know, that's, that's those right-wing Christians. Those are the ones that, you know, they're fanatics. You know what? Keep talking about Jesus. Keep sharing God's Word. The apostles embraced suffering as a confirmation of their mission. Because what did Jesus promise? The world rejects me. If you go out and in my name, the world is going to potentially reject you as well. So you're in good company. You are going to be like me. So what was the result? A persistent witness. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. And verse 42, daily in the temple, in every house, they didn't cease teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. So we see they continued in the early church model, they worshiped corporately in the temple. They met in small groups uh, daily from home to home. They ate together. They met together. They went out. They, they learned God's word together. Then they went out and they shared the gospel together. Now, in today's the landscape of today's hyper-connected world is tempting to think of witnessing that we do on special occasions. You know, it's something that we do on our community fun day. It's something that we do when, you know, we go out and, and we do something in the community. But sharing the gospel is something that we're commanded to do as we go in our home, in our community, as we go about our business. As we're dealing with a checker at the grocery store, it's easy for us to just simply share a word of encouragement, hand out maybe uh, one of our uh, our, our cards and say on the back we invite you to, to church on the back there's some videos that show you uh, that give you some answers to life's questions uh, so blessings uh, God bless you and, and go on your way sometimes it's an opportunity for us to go into a, com a complete gospel presentation uh, do what we can we're going to get all kinds of responses don't give up just simply share the word. So we've looked at verses 17 to 42. We've looked at different responses to the gospel this morning. Uh, it's astonishing. It's, it's, it's one message, but it has all different kinds of responses. The Bible tells us that is going to happen. But what do we do? Some final next steps this morning.
In our connection cards this morning, we have some next steps. We're going to have an opportunity uh, as the offering is received in just a few moments to hand these connection cards in. But on the back, uh, one would be to memorize Acts 5.29. One would be, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, trust Jesus alone for your salvation. Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, died on the cross in your place and mine. The Bible says, He who knew no sin, him, him who knew no sin, became sin for us. And the wrath of God was on Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sin. Before he breathed his final breath, he said, It is finished. He was laid in the borrowed tomb. He rose again from the dead, proving that God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ paid for your sin and mine. And salvation comes by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man, woman, boy, or girl should boast. And the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Delivered from the penalty of sin. And one day when we get to heaven, we'll be delivered from the presence of sin as well. Our next, next step is... Have bold conversations about your faith this week. Share the gospel with someone. Dedicate time each day to pray for boldness. What happened to the early church when the apostles came back the first time and said that they were warned not to talk about Jesus? They got together, they had a prayer meeting and said, let's pray for boldness. Let's pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for boldness that we could go out and be even more bold in our witness for Jesus Christ. Then thirdly, commit to stay faithful to the mission. And what's our mission? The mission Jesus left us with. Be his witnesses. Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them, he says, whatsoever I have commanded you. We're going to have all kinds of responses to the gospel. Don't give up. Because Jesus said, lo, I'm with you, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, this morning... As we've come together, we ask that your Holy Spirit would encourage us. We ask, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit would empower us and would provide a fresh filling that we may be able to go out and to be your ambassadors to a hurting world, to a world that, that is wondering if there's purpose in life, to a world that is wondering if there is more to life than what they see. So, Father, I pray that we may be able to be used by you in a mighty way in the lives of others. Help us to be difference makers in our world today. And may your will be done in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. For